Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Today, I am joined by Liz Lenevy, Megan Crow, and Elizabeth McNulty. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Our topic today is small claims court. So I will confess to learning about small claims court very recently based on a personal thing that has happened. So I'll go ahead and tell the story because I'm dying to. It's a vent, y'all. So my family and I go to Colorado earlier this year for a ski trip. And I know everybody needs to feel sorry for me when going on a ski trip. So we're going to get past that. And we are in the car driving to the ski resort in Beaver Creek, and I get a call from the condo property manager. So I had booked this condo from Verbo, and just an aside, I called it VRBO, and Liz said, what? VRBO? So I'm old. And it used to be called VRBO, and now, I guess, because it's too hard to say VRBO, it's called Verbo. So I was just trying to help out. I know. <laughs> you were like, what is that? I'm like, what? Okay. Anyway, I booked it on Verbo and get almost to the resort, get the phone call, and the guy says, his name is Randy. Guy says, oh, your unit doesn't have any heat or hot water, so we need to, you know, cancel And I thought, well, I mean, I'm on my way. What are you talking about? What are my options? And he goes, well, I can offer you someplace in Vail. And I said, but my equipment is in Beaver Creek. My dinner reservations are in Beaver Creek. No, I'm not going to Vail. So he goes, well, we've got someplace in Arrowhead, which is also not Beaver Creek. Close, but also not Beaver Creek. And so eventually, after a few minutes, he talks me into this Arrowhead place And I hang up and I tell my husband and my boys are in the car and I've got two of my nieces coming. I say, well, we've got two nights at this place and one night someplace else. And my husband looks at me like, are you crazy? And I thought, yeah, that was a terrible idea. So we had stayed at a different place in the past. And I thought, I'm just going to call that place to see if they have a unit. And for some reason, when I booked this last September, they didn't. But when I called, they had a unit. And so I said, oh, I'll take it. It was more expensive to this other one. But at that point, I didn't care. And I called the guy back immediately, Randy. And I say, cancel. <laughs> Y'all, I'm mad. Public okay. number one. Okay. Randy. I'm mad. What was his last name? <laughs> well, let's see how the story ends and I can decide. <laughs> but I call him back and I leave a message saying, you know what? I'll take you up on the 100% refund of my money. I found someplace else. You know, that's it. And I also texted him because in the exchange of him trying to tell me about another place, I asked him to text me the details. So I have his number for him. So I texted him. I said, I just left a message. Please cancel. And he sent one back that said, it'd probably be easier for you to go to the website and cancel it yourself. And I thought, okay. So I tried that on my phone and it wouldn't let me cancel probably because it was the day of check-in. So I physically, when I pushed the cancel button, nothing happened. So then I texted him back and said, it's not letting me cancel. Can you please do it for me? He said, sure. I'm away from the office right now. I'll do it as soon as I get back in a couple of days. And I thought, okay, got into my new place. Everything was fine. 
I get back from the trip and the next day I think, huh, nothing's really happened. I check my credit card statement, nothing's happened. So I start texting him and calling him. And after a couple of days of texts, I get one from his wife who says, oh, uh, Randy is on a, in fact, you know what? Let me just find it. Let me just find these numerous texts that I've been sending every day since this happened. And don't think I haven't screenshot them and used them as exhibits. So this is when I said, can you confirm the cancellation? Good afternoon. Yes, you get a 100% refund. Best thing to do is cancel it on your end, blah, blah, blah. Then I say, thanks. I can't do it. Can you do it for me? Sure. And then after three days of saying, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? Hi, this is Emily, Randy's wife. He is out and about country ski trip and we'll be back next week. I'm sure he'll be happy to catch up with you then. And I'm thinking, huh, well, nice. Okay. You live in Colorado, country ski trip. Fine. So then January 23rd, Randy, please let me know when I expect my refund. January 24th, Randy, please let me know when I can... I just copy and paste the 24th, the 25th, the 26th, twice on the 26th. I guess I was mad that day. (laughs) The 27th, the 29th, 30th, 31st. Okay, you get it? Every day, look. Every day. Same thing. (laughs) No response. No response. I can confirm. It looks like she's being ghosted. Yeah. (laughs) This is ghosting, (laughs) y'all. I hope he has a limited text message plan. I don't know. (laughs) So then voicemails. And look, okay, I have seen and have used unhinged voicemails in my practice, right? Unhinged emails. So I know I don't want my unhingedness, which I totally have, to be used against me. So my voicemails are very much like, hi, Randy, Uh, just wondering if I can expect my money anytime soon and all this stuff. So then I call Verbo and I say, hey, Verbo, this guy's ripped me off. Can you help me? And the first guy says, well, tell me about the situation. Here's the property, blah, blah, blah. Because when you pay, you pay Verbo. I didn't pay Randy. I paid Verbo. And so the first guy tells me, oh, gosh, I wish you would have called me at the time because We hold the money until the end of the reservation, and then we release the money to the host. And I said, well, you know, his name was not Randy. We'll call him Greg. Greg, I didn't know that. How was I supposed to know that? He said, well, I'm going to open an investigation. I sent him the text messages. And he said, well, sounds like you have an agreement with Randy. And I said, well, I do. I do. Thank you. But can you help me at all? So he sends this stuff to Randy. Then again, day after day after day. No response, totally ghosting. So the Verbo guy says, call me back in a couple of days and I'll let you know if we've heard from Randy. Because Randy has to give the money back to Verbo so Verbo can give the money back to me. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Verbo, that's your problem. I'm thinking Verbo owes me money, but it'd be okay if Randy gave it to me too. I'm not picky about who gives me my money back. So I remember one voicemail was, hey, Randy, You know, if I'm way off base here and and there's some kind of reason why you're not giving me my money back, like there's been some horrible accident, you know, please let me know that too, because I'm a human being and I appreciate people telling me why they can't do that. I mean, it was a ramble, okay, but it was very nice. It was very nice. So I call Verbo back and I say, look, I still don't have the money. As far as I'm concerned, it's been stolen from me. What can you do? And this guy says, oh, I'm going to escalate this. And I say, oh, I like that because so am I, guy. (laughs) 
But he escalates it to the American Guarantee Department. And I said, well, what the heck's that? And he goes, well, I think they'll give you the refund. And I'm like, okay, I like the sound of that. So just yesterday, just yesterday afternoon, after three weeks, I get an email, no money yet, but I do get an email from Randy saying that my money is being refunded. Now, we can do an update on this. If I actually do get the money, I'll let you know. But at this point, I still don't have the money. And I'm looking right now at my credit card, no money, no money. So you might wonder, Amy, this is not your personal platform for airing grievances last time I checked, but that's why we're here to talk about small claims court. Because I thought, what are my options? What can I do if I got ripped off by a guy in Eagle County, Colorado? Oh, I did everything I could do on the reviews online and told a very truthful story because, you know, I'm aware that I have to be truthful in these things. And so I found several places where I can give him a bad review. A one-star review, y'all. A one-star <laughs> for Randy for stealing my money. So I looked up Eagle County, Colorado, small claims court. And I've never done any small claims work. Have y'all? One time. Okay. Amy, your saga has made me think about, because you've mentioned now small claims court, yes. right? And I'm sitting here thinking, well, what are your other strategies? Shaming Verbo online. Oh, yeah. Like, look. I watch an unreasonable amount of TikTok for a millennial. If I was younger, I feel like I could get away with it. <laughs> but there's actually a lawyer in Kansas City who made an entire, like, he got a huge platform from complaining about his neighbor dragging him to small claims court over some rocks. I've seen that. People, oh. yes. People enjoy listening to stories about, like, terrible things that have happened. And also, I think, coming up with the solutions for it. Yes. Because now I'm thinking, okay, so what would I do in this situation? Yes, let's problem solve this situation. Right. So one, I think, is to get Verbo involved publicly. But mm. it sounds like, like... on a podcast? Like on a podcast. <laughs> Those one-star uh, reviews are pretty potent. <laughs> yeah, yes. but you have to have an <laughs> online platform in order to do that. Okay. So Amy could create a, like, <laughs> a get on Twitter with her no picture and tweet at Verbo. <laughs> 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 like, I have no Twitter. I have no Facebook. I have no TikTok. You can start no an HITC blog. I have no Snapchat. I have nothing. You could yeah. ask Kevin to do it. Okay, for you. Kevin yeah. would do it. <laughs> At I'm coming for you, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one way. The other way, obviously, as you mentioned now, small claims court. Now, <laughs> I think that's like the old way. <laughs> that's like the old boring way. Now, I don't think anyone in this room is an expert on small claims court because that's just not where we operate. I think small claims court is designed specifically for people, lay people who don't want to get lawyers involved. Now, the time that I was in small claims court, which I have one experience there, I was not quite a lawyer. I was a Rule 13 student. Yes. So what that means for anyone who doesn't know is that in Missouri, and I assume other states as well, when you are in law school, you can practice law underneath an attorney's, usually it's your professor, underneath their law degree, meaning that they will supervise you every step of the way, but you essentially get to act as the attorney. And in Missouri, it's called Rule 13. 
And that's what I was doing my 3L year. I was in the legal clinic, Rule 13 student, and I was given a small claims case, which is a nice way to sort of introduce yourself to the legal system. It's lower stakes and you get to do the filings and the draftings and have the client communications. It's a good opportunity to learn. I encourage anyone who's in law school now to look into, you know, doing a legal clinic and this kind of work. Now, this particular case that I was handling in small claims court was actually on behalf of an employee of the university that I was at. It involved her wanting to sue her hairdresser Mm. because she had gone to a professional braider and had gotten braids put in. This woman was African-American and she had braids put in and she said that the way that the braids were put in was incorrect and she spent a lot of money. It's very expensive to get this hairstyle. She spent a lot of money on it. And then when she tried to get it fixed, she spent a lot of money to get it fixed, but they could not fix what the initial braider had done. And she ended up having to shave her head and just let the hair regrow. This is not a hairstyle I can get because I don't have that type of hair. I'm not of that culture. And so I had to spend quite a bit of time actually learning about microbraiding. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos and I tried really hard to educate myself on this, not only so I could present the case, but so I could have a conversation with my client, which I think she was pretty apprehensive about having a non-black attorney or non-black legal representation because she looked at me and could tell I was ignorant about it. But I tried really hard to educate myself on it. She and I got really close. She's a wonderful person. She works really hard. And so even though the money didn't seem like a big thing, it was a lot of money to her. And she worked two jobs and she told me about how, you know, this set her back quite a bit. And on top of it, she was self-conscious about having to shave her head. And she was just a, a really genuinely good person. And I wanted to do a good job for her. And so I sent a demand letter to the hairstylist. Never got a response. We then filed suit in small claims court. We went and the person that came, who I presumed was going to show up because this person had sent her some letters before alleging that they were the attorney for the hairstylist. This person was not licensed to practice law. And I think if I'm remembering right, and this was several years ago, I don't know if he had let his license expire. He just had not re-upped it. Or if he had been disbarred. (laughs) He had been an attorney at some point lost his license, but was still writing signatures as an attorney. And so when he showed up to the small claims court, I was prepared for it. And I told the judge, Your Honor, I think this is the unauthorized practice of law. Mr. So-and-so over here is not an attorney. He cannot be here on behalf of the defendant. He's not a lawyer. And his response was, well, I own half the business. So actually, I'm the defendant. There was no evidence At all. I had searched everywhere on this business, Secretary of State's website, all of their social media, every Google review I could find. There was nothing that would establish him as a part owner of this business. And he had never claimed to be. Interestingly, in all the communications that he had sent my client initially, he never said that he was a part owner. He always represented himself as the attorney. And his excuse, or I guess his defense, excuse, defense, whatever phrase you want to use, was that my client was at fault because she had not properly taken care of her hair. I presented the opposite of why I believe that that was false, why I think that my client was in the right, why I believe that the hairstylist had done it improperly, and I relied on all of my YouTube knowledge. And the judge ruled from the bench against me (gasps) and for the defendant. Didn't ask any questions, didn't ask any follow-up. 
just listened to our arguments, made her ruling in under five seconds and sent us on our way. And I was like, what just happened? Was your I, faith what? in what? the legal system destroyed? I, I mean, I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed. I ended up, I don't know exactly how it got appealed or refiled or you something. You can appeal. Weird. Yeah, you can appeal it to the circuit court. Uh, something happened with it. Yeah. I guess an appeal because a law student took it after I graduated. Another law student took it over, made the same argument I did, and won. Oh, which I was like, okay, I helped with the initial step. And, you know, part of this is I think part of this is this particular small claims court judge sort of had a reputation for not being particularly fair, for wanting to get things done quickly. This was a reputation I knew about going in, which I think the important lesson I learned in that was research your judges. Yes. Make sure that you know who who is going to be ruling on your case. I mean, ultimately, I was really happy for my former client yeah. that she ended up getting compensation back. That money did mean a lot to her. And I think also just that victory of knowing that she was right. So that was my only experience in small claims court, though. And that was eight years ago. I have not been well, I back I see since. why you wouldn't want to go back. Yes. Well, Liz, when you're in small claims court, it kind of sounds like it's essentially just closing arguments from both sides. Is there like rules of evidence or do you put on evidence in the traditional sense? Or is it just standing there and sort of making a closing argument? <laughs> I'm raising my hand because in preparation for this episode, I printed out Missouri Small Claims Court Handbook by the Missouri Bar. Oh, wonderful. Revised in April of 2021. Because that was a question I had. The answer is the rules of evidence do not apply. Do not apply. Mostly this people, it has to be $5,000 or under. You go and it's based on if people owe you money. And if you have a claim where someone owes you money, less than $5,000, you go to the clerk, you ask for the form, you write it out, you give it to them. You're still responsible to have the defendant served. And in Missouri, you can do that with certified mail, which the court will send out. You get to pay a filing fee, or you could have the sheriff serve it, but you got to pay for that too. And then the defendant has to answer, but they can file a counterclaim. And I think this is probably what happens a lot of the time, is that the defendant has some kind of beef as well, and they file a counterclaim. And you can file a counterclaim arising out of the same transaction or... You can file a counterclaim arising out of a different transaction. And to me, that bothers me because I'm like, well, you have a totally separate beef. I've paid the filing fee and you get to say, well, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe I owe her money. But what about this totally different, you know, what about ism going on over here? So that kind of bothered me. But what can, can you get your court costs? You can. You have to ask for your mm -hmm. court costs. It's within the judge's discretion to do that. If you file in small claims court and it turns out your claim is more than $5,000, then you waive anything above the $5,000 unless you want to be kicked up to associate circuit court. But when you go, when you show up for your trial date, that's when you show up, Liz, as you know, with your documents and your photos and your contracts and your all this different stuff and your screenshot of your text messages. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Randy, got those. I'm coming for you. Coming for you, Randy. But it, I mean, it's a very let's say, efficient way to resolve disputes among individuals. And back to the Verbo issue, not that it's all about me, but I did tell the guy, the Verbo guy, you know, look, why would you want to be associated with this guy who's ripping off your customers? Seems to me that you might have your own liability here. Not that that made any difference, because I think it got escalated up to the other department. But I agree with you. I think 
if you are Verbo and you make money, which they do, they make money all the time on just being the booking agent, and you've got a host who's ripping off your customers, they ain't going to last very long, surely. Or do they claim that they're independent contractors? That has not yet been claimed. But then I was trying to figure out, so I will have to file this small claims in Eagle County, Colorado. So I go online and I print out the forms and I call the clerk and I say, hey, I've got a small claims question. I'm in from out of town and I rented a condo at Beaver Creek and I didn't get what I, you know, and I'm sure this woman was like, okay, lady. But I said, it says in the information, you know, file this in person. Do I have to come to Colorado to file it? She's like, no, you can mail it, but obviously you have to show up for the actual trial. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. And then I'm thinking, well, my son lives in Denver. Can I send him in my stead? And the answer is probably no, because he's not a lawyer and he's not me, right? You well, know. you don't have to be a lawyer to be in small claims court. I no, think you do I think if you're you representing to, the party. Yeah, you either have to be the plaintiff or the plaintiff's lawyer. You can't be like the son saying, hey, my mom's too lazy to come to Can, you just, <laughs> can you just assign the she claim to him? Me, and she told me that if I got some money, I could take a contingency fee part of it. So I'm here to win. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a real old-timey thing of like, I'm sending my child into, into battle for yes, me. Yes, I know. Defend the family's honor. <laughs> So in, Milan, in Eagle County, small claims court. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, what, are your what are your expenses to travel there? Yes, to do this? I know. But I've got one of my best friends is going there for spring break. And I told her the whole story. And she goes, well, you know, we're going to be there if you need me to do anything. I'm like, yeah, actually, she is a lawyer. <laughs> well, you're there on you your go. spring break with your children and your husband. You think you could pop into small claims court and represent me? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if I can talk her into that. So it seems to me my options for redress in this situation include the following. Shaming Verbo. And Randy. Separately. Randy's been doing shamed. That now. <laughs> yeah. Shaming Randy. Continuously calling and emailing and making my position known to Randy. Filing a small claims case in Eagle County, Colorado. Okay, have I missed anything? Oh, yes, okay. I have an extra one. Let's hear it. You said you paid with credit card, right? Yes. To Verbo. Yes. You could dispute that charge with the credit card company, and it puts that issue on them to go investigate it. And generally, from my experience, they'll get your money back for you. So my husband mentioned that to me, and I sort of gave it the back of the hand like, oh, well, I paid in September, and he seemed to accept that. But you're telling me it doesn't matter when the payment was made. Even if it's like four or five months ago. I mean, I think it's worth a try yeah. to the extent that you're willing to, you know, file a small claim suit. Well, you can at least stay <laughs> hundreds of miles away. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, you're saying instead of getting on a plane and flying back to Eagle County, I could go on my app. <laughs> I know okay. it's crazy. Okay, all right. I see your point. <laughs> but this way, through the credit card company, you would at least take the money from Verbo. So right. like, that would get them to get yeah. off their asses. Right. And go find Randy. So, so Chase gets it from Verbo. Verbo gets it from Randy. And everybody's happy. If that's even his name. I mean, honestly. It is. <laughs> it is his name. Counterpoint, though. Don't you just want to go straight for Randy? Don't yes. you want to go to the source? See, this is what I'm saying. Like, at some point, I feel I lied like to. I feel lied to, y'all. I feel lied to. Not only do I feel that way, I was. I was lied to. But you're right. Part of the job is to be above the personal relationship. That's why people hire lawyers. So you don't have this emotional overlay of the one being harmed or the one being sued. 
I tried to put that hat on and it's not fitting very well right now. I think it's real hard if you feel like you've been wronged. I have not, been. I don't just feel that yes, way, Liz. But to not immediately go, how can I use whatever education, training, knowledge I have to my advantage? Yes. And right. then people I tell the story to look at me like, well, you're a lawyer. What's the problem? Here's a question, Amy. Have you dropped the I'm a lawyer card? No. Yeah. That's why you like have to, anytime you're in things like this, you send emails from your work email. I know. That's a good point. I was in, when I was at my last firm, I've never been to small claims court or had to do anything like that. But occasionally our firm would do a lot of pro bono work that were potential small claims, but they always started with a demand letter from a firm letterhead. And that always got the job done in my experience. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, I think I had just gotten licensed. My husband and I were on a trip from St. Louis to Chicago and we stopped in Dwight, Illinois to fill up on gas. And when my husband went to start the car, it would not start. It did that clicking noise. Oh, And battery. he didn't understand that because he had just gotten his car checked at the dealership. We popped the hood up along with uh, some tow truck guys and they were looking around and there. I go, well, we, we found your problem. And they pulled out a clamp. Oh, interesting. That the mechanic who had checked us in St. Louis had left in the car and it had Basically, it stopped the engine from working or I don't know. I'm not a car person. But what I did know is that that clamp <laughs> should not have been in the car. And we called and we fought back and forth on what exactly they were going to do for us since we were stranded in Dwight, Illinois. And the moment I dropped the I'm a lawyer card and I had been a lawyer for all of 12 minutes. <laughs> it worked like a charm. <laughs> Suddenly they were paying for our rental. They were paying for our hotel. They reimbursed us for the hotel that we missed in Chicago. Suddenly they were throwing money at us. And then I told him, and I'm keeping the clamp. And I did. <laughs> and it's on a Damn. shelf. I did throw it away. I Marie kondo the house. I did keep the clamp for a little while, though, just as like a nice reminder of the weird power, the phrase, I'm an attorney, can have it's on people. It's a funny thing, because I guess I've been an attorney so long, I just don't think of it as the slightest bit helpful in that situation. Because if I said I'm an attorney, they'd be like, well, so prove it. And I'd be back to filing a lawsuit. I don't know. Maybe that's my own. OK, everybody's looking at me like, what's your problem? I don't think that's the way people receive that. I think that they're like, oh, OK, like this person isn't like messing around anymore. They don't have to go get an attorney to like that's fix that's whatever's been done. They're yeah. going to do it. And like, I need to oh, like, dang. fix so, okay, <laughs> this. My person's new, already my new text yeah. to Randy. <laughs> Dear Randy, I'm an attorney, period. Send. <laughs> Send him a screenshot of the uh, small claims court petition. Send him a picture of your bar card. Oh, God, this is all good. <laughs> this is all good. Well, like I said, I got an email saying it's being refunded. It might take three business days. So on Monday, today is a Friday, on Monday, if I don't have my money, we're going to do scorched earth. We're going to do all of it. Okay, yes. you with me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned. I encourage this. <laughs> Can't wait. Amy, if you send me to Colorado, I will. You I'll, represent I'll represent me? you. Okay. I'll get admitted to the Colorado Well, I don't know. Your track this. record in small claims court is not Pretty that terrible. impressive. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Give me the name of the person that got it done. And <laughs> oh, man. You know what's... That was cold. It was a white man. <laughs> uh, the narrative continues. <laughs> 
All right. Well, this has been a fun episode. Thanks for listening to my rant about my personal problems. I appreciate all the advice that I've been given today. And I will certainly let you guys and our audience know how this turns out. So thanks again for listening. And please tune in every Wednesday for Heels in the Courtroom. If you have comments or questions, please go to heelsinthecourtroom.law. Thanks. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and subscribe today 